If I'm interested in any dichotomy, it's, it's that it's who we think we are versus who we are when our back is against the wall. Do you like books? I'm outlining a new writing project. Who wrote this book? Read it. Read it. Sometimes I'd write something. What are you writing? Have you written anything lately? I'm Amanda Stern, and this is Bookable. On today's show, we're getting away with murder. In a book podcast. So let's just dive in. If you hear any screaming or shrieking, like, just bang on the wall, she'll be on the other side. Don't worry, the murder part comes later. Tell them who you are. My name is Oinka Braithwaite, and my book is My Sister, the Serial Killer. Oinka Braithwaite. You don't need siblings to get sucked into My Sister, the Serial Killer. It's a fast-paced thriller with pulpy and comic overtones, and just the right amount of family dysfunction. It's about two sisters. The elder sister, Corey Day, is meticulous. She's... Um, she's tidy, she likes to exercise a lot of control, um, and the younger sister, Ayala, is beautiful, she's capricious, she's charming, she also happens to be a serial killer. Have you ever read Charlotte's Web? Well, this is not that book. In 2007, I was um, reading up on the Black Widow Spider, and I learned that when they mate, if She's hungry, and he's still hanging around. Um, She will eat him. And, you know, I thought this was really funny. Um, So I wrote a poem called Black Widow Spider. And then um, I wrote another poem not so long after that about the traditional Black Widow who marries wealthy men, poisons them, inherits their wealth. In many respects, I think that those two poems laid the foundation for what would be the story So a lot of you know about the Black Widow spider. But Oinka also had a more esoteric influence for her book. There are so many handsome guys here and so many tall guys, too. Also, I consume a lot of Japanese anime and they have some weird females. Well, yeah, that would be great if I had actually studied. That's also what gave me the confidence to create Ayala, who's, even though she's a serial killer, she's childlike. And I've seen some weird quirks and characteristics in these characters but in anime they seem to work so I was like oh I think I can I can pull this off oh she pulled it off in my sister the serial killer Aeola definitely has exaggerated features but her motivation is likely a lot more familiar so Aeola believes that a reasonable motive for murder is the shallowness of men who prize beauty over substance which I do, too. Um, And I'm wondering if you can trace her motivations back to their roots. I think that when I was writing it, I wasn't too concerned with motive. Um, You know, I I was exploring lots of different things, but I was happy not to give an answer, mostly because I don't think that, again, that's really true to life. We don't usually know what motivates a person, even if they tell you, oh, I did this because X, Y, Z. That's only on the surface. It's what, it's what they think motivated them. It might They might have been triggered by something a little bit different. Um, so I wasn't too concerned with motivation. But I do think that with Ayala, I do believe it's a combination of things. I think it's this idea that in the end, she sort of thinks they deserve it. I think it's partly the influence of, you know, growing up in 
in that hostile environment. I think it's realizing very young that uh, men saw her a certain way. But in most parts, I think it's because she has been getting away with it and, and believe she will continue to get away with it. And Corday is always there mm-hmm. um, to clean up Iola's mess, which enables Iola to keep on killing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the sisters are codependent? What is it that they're getting from each other that they can't get on their own? Um, I do think that they're codependent. I also think that when I was creating them, you know, aside from this bond of sisterhood, at some point I thought, oh gosh, I need, I, f- I think I need something a little bit more than this. And um, that's when this idea of trauma came to me because I think that trauma creates a kind of bubble where you and whoever else has experienced that same trauma, the bond between you is stronger, and but you also exclude everybody else that hasn't experienced that trauma. So in many respects, that's what it is for them. So they're getting that from each other where, okay, we, we're the only ones who understand what has gone on. We're the only ones that understand each other, um, but also they're enabling one another. You know, Corriday, if Corriday wasn't being Corriday, if she wasn't always the responsible one, um, always cleaning up after Ayala. Ayala would be able to grow up or she would at least, she wouldn't be able to get away with the things the way she's been getting away with them. You know, but also Corrida, as much as she hates it, she feeds off of having this person that she has to take care of. And she thinks, oh, without me, where would they be? Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that trauma? Um, you know, when I started writing it, it wasn't, the father wasn't, a character in my mind. But like I said, once I realized that they needed something more to justify why Corriday would keep on, you know, putting up with it, he came to my mind and kind of took off on a life of his own. So he's really quite horrible to them and and to their mother. And, you know, I, I kept on making him a little bit more horrible, but I know sometimes it's not clear how horrible he was, but I just liked the idea of this this figure who was like a, a, a living monster in their home. Mm-hmm. No, that was that was pretty clear. <laughs> Fair enough. From my sister, the serial killer, page one eighty four. Pain has a way of sharpening your senses. I can still hear his heavy breathing. He was not a fit man. He quickly tired during a beating but he had a strong will and a stronger desire to instill discipline. I can still remember the smell of our fear, acidic, metallic, sharper even than the smell of vomit. Not long after, when we were back at school, Ola approached me during a break to deliver his thoughts about my father. Your dad is really cool, he told me. I wish my dad was like him. Do you think that there both locked in this loop of Mm -hmm. kill and clean up, kill and clean up. Yeah. Because subconsciously they both know that Iola is actually like killing the father in killing the men. Um, I don't know. I think, I, I don't know if it's that clear cut. I think it's, if it's two things, one, they're locked in the cycle because, in order to break it, Ayala would have to say, right, whatever you do now, you're on your own. And that would probably feel like a betrayal in many respects other than, oh, I'm just doing right by myself. Sometimes, you know, and I think this is, everybody has experienced this where sometimes choosing you 
feels like selfishness because you know your other brain is saying no but this is your this is your family or this is your friend but for your own mental health you know sometimes you have to choose you and she's unable to do that so they're locked in that and Ireland knows like whatever whatever happens my sister's got my back which is a beautiful thing to know but not maybe not when you're killing people um so there's that I think there's that aspect of it I think there's also the fact that to Ayala, men are disposable because there will always be more men. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't have any problem, you know, attracting them. So they're not real people to her almost. Um, so definitely, like, their dad broke them both, I think. But, like, I'm not sure if Ayala has enough self, you know, awareness to to be punishing him for for that necessarily. I think it's just a general look. You know, these guys will come and go. Do you think it's true that Ayola does have Corday's back? I think Ayola, I mean, a lot of people are like, you know, I know a lot of readers kind of feel like Ayola didn't care about Corday at all, but I do think she loved her sister. I think, if if anything, I think her sister is the only one who she does love with any kind of real affection, you know, and, you know, I think that she would also protect Ayala as much as she was able to as a person that's not completely mentally stable. But I think she would she would do what she thought was protecting Koride if push came to shove. Mm-hmm. I'm not so convinced. <laughs> I mean, it, do you know what? I, I agree with you. It's open to debate. Like, I would take that. Like, I'm not 100% sure about what I'm saying either. But, <laughs> like, but I think that she would... I mean, she's such a sociopath yeah. that her sister has to remind her not to Instagram because she's supposed to be mourning. Yeah, but isn't that the difference, though? And don't quote me on this, but isn't that the difference between sociopaths and psychopaths that sociopaths can feel something, whereas psychopaths have to have to fake everything? So it's 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 possible for her to be unable to make that, oh, I'm supposed to be mourning thing, but at the same time know that... Corriday is Corriday and Corriday is her person. Yes, I th- I think that is correct. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, still, <laughs> still have my doubts. Yeah. <laughs> From my sister, the serial killer, page fifty-five. Secondary school can be cruel. The boys would write lists of those who had a figure eight, like a Coca-Cola bottle, and those who had a figure one, like a stick. They would draw pictures of girls and exaggerate their best and worst features and tack them on the school notice board for the world to see. At least until the teachers took the pictures down, tearing them from the pins, an act that left a little shred of paper stuck like a taunt. I'm generally quite fascinated about the the transactions that take place between men and women. Um, but with the, with the sisters, I suppose, again, because Ayola... From a very young age, she realized, okay, I'm I'm attractive, I'm beautiful, um, you know, men want something from me, and which I I don't think is unique to Ayala. I think that most women and possibly men learn from you know you you know by the time you get to secondary school whether you're beautiful or whether you're plain. Um, 
you, you the way your peers react to you maybe the way you know older people just like oh she's the cutest little thing you know you you learn these things quickly and um but Ayala's was a little bit darker because she was almost giving given away you know to a man as, as in in what would i suppose would have been a sexual transaction um so she i think she learned the hostility early she learned that you know what i need i'm not safe around men because this is all they want and it took root in her mind. Corriday, as someone who witnessed this and who was instrumental in keeping Ayola protected, would also have. But I think Corriday is an idealist and she still wants what we all want. She still wants what I, what, I don't know about we all, but she still wants what a lot of us want. She wants the happy ending. She wants the romance. She wants to be loved. We're going to get into the beauty in a little while, but I want to just back up a second, because you said you didn't know necessarily about the sister's interest in relationships between men and women, but you know about yours. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to hear a little bit about your interest. Um, it's not just one thing. There's so much to explore when it comes to the relationship between men and women. Um, so it isn't just one thing for me. It's lots of different things. Um, it's in in... I've noticed that, especially in Nigeria, like a lot of relationships, this idea of um, love being blind, like a lot of relationships, actually, women or men are making very intentional decisions as far as their partner goes. You know, you're not just picking someone because your heart is fluttering. You're picking them because, oh, does he have, you know, is he going to make a good living? Can he provide? You know, will she be, you know, will she do this or will she do that? In in Nigeria, there are a lot of, there's like a, um, I don't know what to call it, but a group of people who, when they go on dates, you know, the women will, it's almost like a transaction in that the women expect money at the end of the day in some way, especially if it had, if it ended in a, in a, I don't know what's appropriate for a vote to say on a podcast. You but can like say whatever it, you want. <laughs> but like, especially if it ended with, you know, them going to, to bed together and, um, you know, so some, so it won't, and it won't be like a direct, oh, I want money. It'll be like, oh, I need, you know, now I need transportation money. Or like, oh, my laptop's broken. Or like, you know, it's, and I, um, I mean, it's not, it's not like the whole, it's a small sect of the community, but like people are talking a lot about it now on social media because guys are like, hang on, this isn't right. You know, or so girls are like, look, girls need to stop doing this. They're giving us a bad name. Um, but even that, arrangement you know fascinates me how someone can claim to love you and then do something really horrific women who stay with the men that cheat on them like there's so many aspects of that relationship that I think is available for me to tap and I'll probably keep tapping it for a while time for a short break when we come back Oinka gets some uncomfortable praise from her auntie, and I'll tell a joke about murder. Stick around. Welcome back to Bookable. I'm Amanda Stern, here with Oinka Braithwaite, author of My Sister, the Serial Killer. So Corday helps her sister Ayola clean up her 
messes, while also holding down a full-time, high-stress job. That's why she is desperate to keep those two worlds separate. Can you talk a little bit about Corday's work life? Yeah, so I think she's fantastic at what she does. <laughs> Me <laughs> she's too. A good, <laughs> she's a good nurse. I don't even remember how that how I decided that I wanted her to be a nurse. But I know, like I said, because I have to see things. I use the hospital I'm registered at in terms of like describing the setting. But she's she's very competent. She's the thing that's also oppressing her. She's as much an oppressor as anybody as anybody else in the story. You know, she doesn't feel very attractive, but she focuses a lot on how attractive other people are, especially the men. Um, she treats people differently based on class. She's, you know, she's who she's, she, she, she probably wouldn't think that that's who she was, but she's very much as much a perpetrator as any other character in the, in the novel. Um, and within the, the, the hospital, she's like a little madame. She almost owns that space, you know, and everybody else is kind of, um, forced to reckon with her. And she has a crush, a big crush on... Yes, she does. And who is he? Um, he's the he's one of the doctors at the hospital. Does he flirt with her? I think he's. I think he has a little bit of. Oh, I know, I'm a good looking guy, and you know, he's he's happy to. I don't know if he flirts as much as he's happy to take advantage of the crush that she has. You know, she makes him food. It's it's convenient for him. To, and I, I believe a lot of guys do that, actually. I don't think it's limited. I've seen, I remember being at a guy's house once. He was having some kind of party and I was there towards the end. It was like a house party. I was there towards the end of the house party. And I just noticed there were like two women like cleaning up mm-hmm. and just like, I'm like, wait, what's going on here? They, you know, they just, they just got up, got the broom, got the like whatever, started tidying up. And I'm, I was so sure that at least one of them was hoping you know, this relationship would develop into something. Because I'm not going to go to your house and start like, you know, like I'm not, I have things to do. Um, I'm, You know, I'm not going to do that. So um, I think the fact that he wasn't like, no, 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 don't worry, you're a guest at my my house. I don't think most women wouldn't just have you clean. They'll be like, no, 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 I'll do it when you've gone out, you know. So I think Tade is just, he's like that. He's willing to take advantage of the benefits, you know, that his looks give him. yeah. And then one day, while Corday is at work, she gets a visitor. Wait. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, who visits her Corday? <laughs> You're like, then what happens? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so who walks into the hospital? Um, so, yeah, so Ayala waltzes in to visit her sister. And what happens? Um, <laughs> well, for Corday, all hell breaks loose. You know, Prior to that, Corday had sort of made sure that Ayala didn't turn up at her workplace because she's accustomed to the effect that Ayala has on people. So when Ayala comes, things happen almost exactly as I imagined. Corday imagined they would. And, you know, everybody's like, oh my goodness, your sister is so beautiful. Oh my goodness, your sister, your sister, your sister. And unfortunately for her, as she's trying to shuffle Ayala out, um, the doctor she has a crush on, Tade comes across Isla and is immediately struck by her. From My Sister the Serial Killer, page 84. I see her first because I'm facing the stairs. 
He follows my eyeline and twists his body around to see. I hear him suck in his breath. Aola is paused there, allowing herself to be admired. She's wearing the flapper dress she was sketching a few weeks ago. The gold beads blend wonderfully with her skin. Her dreads have been plaited into one long braid draped over her right shoulder, and her heels are so high, a lesser woman would have already fallen down the stairs. Tade stands up slowly and walks to meet her at the foot of the staircase. He brings out a long velvet box from his inner suit pocket. You look beautiful. This is for you, he says. Aeola takes the gift and opens it. She smiles, lifting the gold bracelet so Mum and I can see. I remember once when I was, like, I don't know how old I was, maybe a teenager, early teens, or in primary school, and, you know, there was this auntie who said, oh, gosh, you're so pretty. And, you know, it. I was kind of like, okay, you know, and then I thought about it. And it, it's, it makes you feel good, you know? But So all of a sudden, you've got this, like, little title on your head. Oh, I'm pretty. Like, this is what I am, you know? And then depending on how other people, you know, if, if, you, if you have that... Um, statement sort of confirmed over and over again you you come to that realization and I think it's interesting because without her saying it I probably wouldn't have thought about it you know I wouldn't have wondered where I was in the in the scale you know and then I remember like years you know as a young adult an auntie saying to me um gosh you used to be the prettiest one she meant you know between me and my sisters and she was like out of nowhere your sister has just has just out you know she's out pretty you, that's not a word, but whatever. <laughs> she's, you know, she's she's now the prettiest of the three of you. And I remember thinking, okay, um, you know, what do I do with this information now? How does that change, you know, first of all, how does that change my relationship with my sister? You know, how does the dynamic, and truly, I know she was right because, <laughs> like I said, the two of us, we grew up together. So, you know, there was a stage when we'd be walking down the road together and I was attracting the random attention from random individuals right but then later on I realized that guys would like walk past me like they would not even know I was there and they would make a beeline for my sister and I thought I thought it was interesting from two perspectives first of all I now knew what it was like when she was experiencing it and also like I was the same person I was like five years earlier. I hadn't changed, but the way the world was treating me had, and I had to take stock of that. I've had the exact same experience, yeah. minus being told I was pretty. <laughs> um, still waiting for that to happen. But um, I know I have a very, very um, conventionally beautiful younger sister, mm-hmm. tall, blonde, mm-hmm. stunning. Yeah, We have different fathers. Okay. That's how we explain it. <laughs> When I walk down the street with her, yeah. people don't walk past me. They walk through me. Mm-hmm. Like I, they, like, <laughs> they walk right over my de- yeah. <laughs> my dead body. Yeah, and um, I literally don't exist. Yeah, you know when people are beautiful and kind, people are almost surprised by it. like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like because if you're less attractive, you have to work on your personality because that's what you've got to sell. You've got to make up for the fact that, you know, you're not walking into a room and wowing people. And it might sound like an exaggeration, but it's really the way things work.
Oinka Braithwaite, author of My Sister the Serial Killer. It's published by Doubleday and is available now. Bookable is a production of Loud Tree Media. I'm your host, Amanda Stern, five feet tall and ready to murder my breakfast. We're produced by me, Bo Friedlander, and Andrew Dunn, who also mixed and sound designed the show. Bo is Loudtree's editor-in-chief. Find us on the web at bookablepod.com and subscribe and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. That's one of the best ways for other listeners to find Bookable. And as promised, a joke about murder. My psychologist told me, write letters to the people you hate, and later on, you burn them. Well, I have done so, but now I don't know what to do with the letters. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I like that one, too. (laughs) This is Bookable.